so we're so we're fully MRA accredited. You know, that's the Mountain Rescue Association. There's actually only I think f- there's four teams fully accredited east of the Mississippi. Um, wow. So there's only about I don't know, 40, 50 people that could you know wear that patch, you know, east of the Mississippi River. Um, so when it comes to high angle, steep angle, low angle, any kind of tech rescue, uh, that's when we come in. So it's a whole extra set of drills, whole extra set of equipment and spending and everything. But uh, once the ropes come out and things get technical, that uh, that's when we come out. There's about 10 of us versus I think about 65 on NJ star. So a little bit of a smaller group, but uh, a lot of great people just like the team. And uh, it's, it's exciting to be a part of and work with everyone. A lot of, a lot of, uh, of gear involved. Um, as he said, technical, a lot of perishable skills. So, uh, to be on MRU and 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 to be ready when you're called out on MRU, you really need to keep training, keep training, keep training. So there's a lot of additional time. Um, but the other thing about MRU is that in New Jersey, you know, you don't. There are a few places where there might be an 80 foot cliff, but that's not the norm, right? Um, but that's not all it's for. It's for when somebody falls. 15 feet onto uh onto a ledge or they've fallen into a very you know a, a, a little divot there in the in the in the landscape and there's no way to get down to them um as a whole team and carry them out so they need to be uh taken out by the so there's all different Wherever you go in the Catskills, you could look down and imagine glaciers below you. I think the weather challenges on this incident were particularly difficult. Whereas Pennsylvania Mountain is totally opposite, it's a mountain on top of a crater. It is really the development of New York State. Catskills is responsible. Welcome to Inside the Line the cat skills so i got a question for you guys a, a big question that just happened recently where would you travel if you won that big lottery it was like four billion dollars or something like that joe how about you where would you go if you won that lottery <clears throat> oh man i think i would uh at the big one place or can i split it up between two do whatever you want it's like four billion dollars man <laughs> I would I would pick two opposite sides of the spectrum. I would definitely go to like like Bora Bora or something like that and get one of those private villas and go crazy and and like the islands and stuff. And I think the other half I would go to the Himalayas and go on some crazy expedition. I think that's what I would do both of it. <laughs> Hell yes. That sounds that sounds like my thing. How about how about you, Scott? Um well you're gonna find this ironic, but I would go to the Catskills. And really? the reason that, well, the reason is, is because, you know, my wife and I were talking about it. We've already got all the money spent, of course. Um, and she said, I'm going to take our money and I'm going to buy the Catskills. <laughs> I said, okay, you're going to buy the Catskills. Yep. I'm going to buy that the Catskills. I'm going to put a house right in the middle and that's where we're living. I said, all right. So I don't really have a choice. So apparently <laughs> I would, I would have to go to the Catskills. <laughs> I, f- I forgot what is a happy wife equals happy life, right? You got it. <laughs> Well, I was I was talking to a friend about this and I told him, Joe, I'm just like you. I would probably, you know, get a place down by the beach. Uh, I love 
I love Hilton Head Island, but I'd also like to go someplace someplace else. And then I would be up in the Canadian Rockies because the Canadian Rockies are absolutely oh, phenomenal. Yeah. I got to get back there. They're ridiculous. <laughs> have you have you both been there? I have. I I have I've traveled through and done uh, a little bit, but no actual you know climbing the mountains. Ooh, but still, but still, you travel through there, and that's a, a breathtaking experience, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, excellent. So, um, another thing I was I was I was talking to my friend about was um, there is you know we've we've for search and rescue, of course, we have a lot of differences between the Catskills, the Adirondacks, and the White Mountains. And uh, we were talking about the extreme differences between everything. I mean, Catskills doesn't have above tree line. Adirondacks does. And then you have the whites that have maximum above tree line and maximum weather. It's, it's, it's crazy, the differences between the three. Can you guys think of any other crazy differences between those? Because I, I know everybody from that, you know, Joe, you've done the, the Adirondacks. Scott, you've done that, some of the Adirondacks as well. I don't know. I'm I'm just like the the Catskills aren't like the Adirondacks and the Whites, of course, but we also have some crazy ass stuff. And but they have crazier stuff. Can you guys think of any other things? Um yeah, I'll just kind of agree and echo what you're saying. You know, like the those three ranges in the East Coast, they're they're difficult, you know. They're they, you know, they're not as tall obviously as the West Coast, but the Catskills, you know, could be thick and you know going off trail and everything and they're great and the adirondacks are i guess kind of like the bigger brother you know they got some above tree line and you know they got steep you know steep inclines and you know deep coals in between and then you go over to the whites and the above tree line there it's just you know it's a whole nother animal and uh a lot of the i feel like you go to all those parks and you feel like you're not even on the east coast anymore you know you get to really detach and but uh yeah, whites are definitely above tree line. Yeah, they take the cake, and you know the Adirondacks yeah. have some amazing views, and and the Catskills do too. But uh, they're all they're all they're all rugged, you know. <laughs> yeah, Scott, what can you uh, can you throw on top of that? Yeah, I agree, and you know I haven't <clears throat> I haven't done that much uh, out west, but uh, people out west seem to to respect when they come back east and they do some of ours. There's there's respect there. Um, you know, the, the Catskills, I think, um, what I love about it is, uh, like Joe was saying, you know, it could be thick, you know, and, and although some herd paths have been developing over the years, there's still a lot of things and it's your own hike, you know, um, you can make it what you want it to be. So you can go as, as off the beaten track as you want, and you can find some really amazing stuff in the Catskills and go through some tough stuff. And then all of a sudden, bam at the top it's not above tree line but the views can be outstanding um, okay and um and you know i've done a, a few in the uh in the adirondacks and uh we're gonna i'm gonna start working on my uh my 46 there and uh it's just it's mind-boggling breathtaking when you get to the top and you go yeah. all around 360 degrees above tree line it's beautiful um and my son just started uh, actually he'll be starting his second year up at university of new hampshire so Ooh. he's not that far. So I'm planning some visits so um so he and I can uh, go hit some of the whites. That that would be fun. That would be an excuse uh with your wife. Be like, hey, we gotta go visit our son. Let's go up there and be like, oh, we're right next to uh Mount Washington and and all those other peaks, Lafayette and stuff. Let's do it. Go figure. <laughs> One thing that I forgot to bring up between the Catskills, Whites and Adirondacks. Adirondacks are a bitch because you have to hike three or four miles in 
to start gaining an elevation when the whites and the Catskills are like right there and you start right away. Yeah, that's definitely a hundred percent. You, you have a good approach in the Adirondacks before you start going up the mountain, you know, and, uh, that, that, that tacks it on, you know, <laughs> whether you're doing a day hike or even trying to camp, you know, you, you have three or four one way, you know, just to get there. <laughs> it's funny that you bring that up. I, I, um, I recently finished um, the 3500s and uh, I was planning a trip with my wife and, uh, and a few friends up in the Adirondacks. And I, uh, you know, I made a, a route in Caltopo and I said, oh, well, that's easy. Um, not easy, but I think I can do this whole thing. And it was like four or five peaks and it might be a tough day. And then I threw it by Joe and Joe's like, no, you can't park there. <laughs> you have to park over here. And it adds another 10 miles to the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it was. You know, I did the same thing, you know, when I was doing my my Phelps and Marcy hike. I'm just like, oh, that doesn't look too bad. Let me see if I can throw skylight and gray in there. And then my <laughs> <laughs> and my friends just like, uh, dude, that adds another like three thousand feet of elevation gain. You're going to be doing eight thousand feet in two days? No way. And I'm just like, oh, we'll see. And I was like, after Phelps, I was like, nope, screw this. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? It's 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 not a it's not a sprint. It's a marathon anyway. You know. So um, and and actually, at the end of you know when we we finished on Panther in the in the Catskills, and it was sort of, you know, it was bittersweet. Um, and there's still you know I will be back to so many of the of the mountains in the Catskills. But you know, it's kind of like that's that's over. And we did it over I don't know two and a half three years or so, and we took our time. And you know, COVID was was there, and we're um, about two hours south of there. So we had to kind of plan those trips. So yeah. I think for the, for us, the Adirondacks, it could take four or five, six years, and that'll be pure enjoyment the whole time. So there's no, no reason to rush it anyway. Yeah. Same, man. I'm since where I'm located uh, to go up in the Adirondacks is, I mean, to get to the lodge was four and a half hours for me. So, yeah. so that's going to, I told my wife, I'm just like, this is going to take me freaking 20 years. I'll probably die on the top of one of the mountains finishing just, <laughs> hammering down something and like i did it and then i'll die five seconds later <laughs> so yeah uh so yeah so the funny thing is is we were talking about my other friend uh my previous episode we were talking about our old times of when we first started hiking i got a question for you guys as well were you prepared since day one were you like not i wouldn't say fully prepared but prepared you know to take on not anything but mostly everything uh, that the mountains would throw at you. All right. Um, you, you don't have to tell the truth. <laughs> do you, do you mean here or anywhere recently or when we were uh, 16? anywhere when you were when you were like 16? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that would be a no. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say I had enough to get by, but I, I didn't thrive. I was more in surviving mode i, I did, did not thrive out there and i got by and you know had some experiences but i, I don't know if i'd go with the word full prepared <laughs> right yeah so like we were talking and uh my first you know my first hike in the catskills i had like battery backup i had first aid kit i had a lot of water a lot of food and stuff like that i was way over prepared with that crap and uh he was like yeah yeah i brought i remember when i hiked with you i brought like three water bottles and maybe like a a tuna fish sandwich and it's just like oh man like i forgot about that plus we were wearing uh jeans and khakis <laughs> yeah the yeah i remember stuff. 
even, you know, I mean, still a number of years ago now, but past the age of, you know, teenager, uh, you know, not even knowing things of like micro spikes, you know, and going up in Catskills or whatever, and it's a little icy, and like, oh, I'll just work my way around in the trees and stuff. And then like now looking back, you know, I see someone out micro spikes, I'm like, you sure you're going to go up there? And like, meanwhile, I'm like, oh, we got it, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Crazy stuff. So, um, excellent. Welcome to uh, episode 30, 43 of Inside the Line, the Catskills. I would just like to take a second to thank monthly subscribers uh, for the show. Darren White, Vicky Ferrer, John Comiskey, Jim C., Michael Bongner, Alec Betancourt, and Sarah Bacon. Thank you very much. I have Joe and Scott from Trailbound Project on here tonight to talk about their new business, their new adventure that they're taking on. It's going to be pretty wicked because these guys are crazy experienced, and I'm really, really uh, excited to hear about their stories and about their new project. So say hello, guys. Hey. What's going on? This is Joe. Everyone, Scott here. Awesome. These guys are, I wouldn't say good friends of mine, but I do know them from previous experiences. And I know Scott pretty well. He's an awesome dude. And Joe is even uh, in a more insane dude than Scott, which I'd never thought would be. But this guy's a psycho. So we'll talk about his psychoness later. Uh, you guys having anything to drink tonight? Uh, yeah, I have a couple of uh, Miller High Lifes. A couple? Nice. Yeah. Champagne of beers. <laughs> <laughs> At least a couple. Scott, how about you? Um, Diet Cherry Pepsi here. Excellent. That's okay. Um, you guys uh, done any previous hikes in the past week or so or something like that? Um, not, not much in the last week or so. Last uh, month, I was in Rocky Mountain National Park for a good week and a half exploring around. That was, that was incredible. I uh, haven't done too much since, but that made up for it. <laughs> Nice. What was the conditions like up there? Uh, Over there, lucked out pretty good. You know, I, I think I think it was like in June. Um, it was like two days before I landed. They had like two feet of snow, like up high, and like part of the park was closed down. But <clears throat> I was down low, and then by the time I got up high, um, the roads were all clear. Um, but it was it was beautiful. It was you know still snow up top, but mostly hung out down low in the greens and uh, just a ton of wildlife. It was it was incredible. <laughs> Nice. Scott, how about you? Any any hikings in the past couple of weeks? For me, not so much. Um, I did get out to uh, there's a uh, there's a park near us in Morris County, New Jersey, called Pyramid Mountain and uh, Tripod Rock. And it's, you know, a short little hike, maybe four or five miles. And uh, my wife and I uh, told our kids that we're going to go out on a date. Daddy's never seen Tripod Rock and we're going to go see it. Um, so we did, but over the last month or so, we, Joe and I have been working a lot on trailbound projects. So I've been, uh, as, as I told you before, we kind of stuck in front of the computer a bit. So I'm sitting here and, um, and I'm watching my wife on Caltopo tracking her as she's out there hiking on her own. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. Well, that's good. Um, you know, the funny thing is, is, um, New Jersey, man, I underestimated New Jersey before i went down there you know some of the some of the stuff you guys have down there is and crazy like ramapo and i love ramapo holy crap i love that that area so much and it's underestimated like uh, you think new jersey it's all city but there's some rugged awesome areas you know i'm pretty sure i think it was sterling is it sterling down uh towards the the border sterling forest where we did the sartec 2. yeah that has some awesome spots like I was looking at New York City from the top of one of the peaks, and then 
when we were on our way down uh, in the dark, you know, I looked over to the right and there's this massive rock wall sitting there, like 80 foot rock wall. And I'm just like, this is New Jersey. Holy crap. Yeah, there's one spot in uh, in Sterling that uh, it might be the one that you're talking about where uh, you're on this trail and you end up on this ledge and uh, you're facing New Jersey's and you're right on the border. And what's incredible about it is that, you know, 180 degrees from right to left, as far as you can see, is just green trees everywhere. And it's all New Jersey. And nobody, you took a picture of it and showed it to somebody outside of New Jersey. They'd never believe you. Right. Right. They'd be like, no, no, no. That's all flat and airports and city. Yep. You're in Vermont. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So once again, uh, these guys are. From New Jersey, New Jersey Search and Rescue, and uh, we've done a lot together. So uh, going down to New Jersey with them and doing some of their their drills uh, brought me to a whole nother world with New Jersey and uh, something that I'd never expected to be down there. So it's really cool to go down there. It's kind of cool. You know, you, you talked about Ramapo before. One of the things that I like most about uh, about Ramapo Reservation there, which you said it's right in the middle of this, I wouldn't say metropolitan area, but a suburban area is this huge park. And there are lots of trails for, you know, people to go walk their dogs or do little three mile stints. Uh, but it's where we drill New Jersey Search and Rescue. Um, but it has peaks in there that have no trails to go to. Yeah. Um, and most of the people in that area either aren't experienced experience enough or confident enough to be going up there. So you can go into that park and go do Rocky Mountain with no trail to it and just be completely alone and get to the top and see beautiful things. And you're right in the middle of, you know, five different suburban towns. Yeah, I definitely um, the when we did one of the drills there, I remember seeing people pouring into there like it's the it's bottom, insane. Yeah. And then the funny thing is, is, you know, there are so many trails through there that I, I understand why people get lost all the time. <laughs> it's just, it's wicked. So if any of the listeners, if you're ever in the New Jersey area, go check out Ramapo, go check out Sterling State Forest. My freaking dogs are going psycho. I'm, can you hear them? No. I can't. Good. God, they're annoying as heck. All right. So I got a uh, little Catskill news. This is a uh, going to be you guys i think are are a week after my one year anniversary so this will be aired my one year anniversary my 44th episode so 44 episodes in one year i'm glad you guys are part of this that's incredible congrats that's That's awesome congrats yeah that's it's crazy i didn't think i'd go this long i think it'd like be 10 people per episode i'm like this is not worth it (laughs) oh and i heard that you were doing this and i know this is about us and not about you but i I don't think that you and i have ever had a conversation about how it started but as you started going through and i see you know ken posner and all kinds of unbelievable people on your podcast it's it's just very cool it's connections man i i'm i'm a i'm a very social guy so once again with you guys and stuff like that so i'm glad you guys are here mm, these dogs uh other news trailhead stewarding there's a lot of uh stewarding going on in the catskills probably down in new jersey as well i'll let these guys say anything if they have any stewarding but there's trailhead stewards for the 3500 club check it out do it one day it's a great feeling it's fun uh sometimes it can be boring <laughs> but uh joe scott do you guys have any uh like steward opportunities down in new jersey so uh, we we do, but I, you know I'm I'm not too versed in it, and I don't know how much of it is volunteer. I know that a lot of my, my son works for the um, for the state parks in New Jersey, 
And uh, he's not one of them, but there are a number of people that are hired to kind of roam around the, the state parks down here and uh, bump into people that might need help. So there is a bit of that going on, um, but it's not like uh, volunteers. I could be wrong. There might be volunteers. We did actually that that uh, that tripod rock um, hike that I told you about before. We did run into uh, a trail steward who is a volunteer for Morris County. So it might be a more local thing. Yeah. Well, you guys got the the, the headquarters of the New York New Jersey Trail Conference is right down there, right? Yes. Yeah, yep. it's in there. Yeah. So. They might they might have some opportunities if so if you if you're down in New Jersey or in the New York metropolitan area and you want to volunteer check out probably the New York New Jersey Trail Conference and see if they have any opportunities over there there's always help anywhere that could be needed um, that's a great place to start I I actually we spoke to uh, to a few people at the Trail Conference recently and they do predominantly deal with the uh, uh, the, the building of the trails the repairing of the trails but they do have um some crews i'm not sure if they're volunteer or not but that that do some trail stewarding nice once again um i got another question you know i just recently did trailhead steward at slive mountain and the day was beautiful it was like 75 degrees at the top nice wind but only 21 people visited at the tallest mountain in the catskills and i had a talk with my friend and i'm, I'm like i'm pretty sure it feels like the crowds are reducing from the the great insane amount that has come from COVID and stuff. Do you guys, are you, if you're out and about, do you feel the same way too? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, the outdoor recreation has definitely picked up, but you know, if you want to com <clears throat> compare it to the heat of the pandemic, I think it's definitely calmed down. I remember going to some local hikes after, you know, what I usually do after work and like the smallest parking lots are like not only filled, there's cars lining up the streets and I'm just oh, like, yeah. you know, I'm like, where am I? <laughs> <laughs> right. It, yeah, it was uh, me and my friend Joe were there and it was just like, it was like 12 o'clock and we're like, man, we've seen like 14 people. This is, this is insane for a day that's 75 degrees and windy, mm. but I don't know. I was just. You know, I've I've heard it from my other friends around, you know, the the whites and the Adirondacks that has had died down significantly, of course, like that that whole surge we had with COVID. So yeah, good question to ask because I was wondering all around the place and, and to know what what's going on. I'd say near me, um, there's probably one third to half uh the number of cars in the parking lots. Uh, yeah. that we pass by but that's more than before covid so i, <laughs> I think that, that covid definitely introduced a number of people um to enjoying the outdoors like we do uh, but a lot of them went back to whatever they did before um to the point that i guess at some point they didn't they started creating all of these facebook groups you know this hiking group and that hiking group. yeah and some of those have either died out or been abandoned as people went back to work. They're no longer working from home and able to do those things. Um, so I, I think we have more than before COVID, but definitely not as many as during. Nice. Yeah, that's a good point about the groups. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. You know, just want to get your inside information. I will post a climb heel overcome that uh, Baki Perez was my friend. Uh, she does a a group that helps out a, a non-for-profit that helps out people that have been in abusive relationships. So they are looking for donations of gear and stuff. I'll post that in the show links uh, and then I'll get more information on that. She wanted me to plug that in there. So willing to do that anytime. 
So, uh, guys, I don't know if you know about some Casco Mountain history, but I'm going to go into that. Is that okay? Go for it. We love it. All right, I'm just going to read this. I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, Michael Kudish, the legendary guy of the Catskills. You ever heard of him? I have not, no. Okay. I've heard the name. He is uh, he is uh, amazing. Let's just say he's like the Gandalf of the Catskills. All right, he knows everything. <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh, basically about the, the timber and the towers and stuff like that that happened through the Catskills. So at the time of the creation of the Forest Preserve, the Catskill forests were in very poor shape. They were heavily overcut for lumber, tanning, charcoal, and pasture. Wanting to preserve what was left and to allow regrowth to proceed, forest fire prevention and control measures were begun. After the worst fires in New York State, 1903 and 1908, the Forest Fishing Game Commission expanded the program rapidly. In 1909, vigorous programs of forest fire prevention and control began throughout the state. A number of fire towers grew at the summits of the hills and mountains of the Catskills. These were on... Balsam Lake Mountain, Bel Air Mountain, Hunter Mountain, Overlook Mountain, Red Hill, Slide, Tremper, and Mount U, which is Mount Lunciato over in Stanford. Fire observers at the top of these towers, towers kept watch for signs of fires during the warm months of the year. Such surveillance detected smoke early, and the precise location of the burn could be determined by triangulation by two observers. Thus, firefighting crews could be quickly mobilized to extinguish the fire. The towers had second impact as they soon became attractive destination for hikers, as we all know now. Although built for fire detection, the towers offered exceptional views and frequent bonus was the identification of surrounding peaks and other landmarks by the fire observer. This was often followed by issuing a souvenir card stating that the hiker successfully completed the climb to the summit of the mountain. In 1970, fire monitoring started to be done by airplane and the towers became obsolete. At least six summits still have fire towers, although they are no longer in use and are closed to the public. Those were Balsam Lake Overlook, Hunter, Tremper, and Usiatha, and Red Hill did fall into disrespair. After February 1997, the DEC and the Catskill Center joined to inform the Catskill Fire Tower Restoration Project to repair and reopen these public to the public, and now they are part of the great known Catskill Fire Tower Challenge that thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people are participating in. It's made it crazy and it's insane. So yeah, little Catskill Mountain history right there about the four, the fire towers and fire prevention and stuff like that. And we all know about the fire towers. Hopefully you guys have been to at least one. Two, I think. Two. Excellent. To, uh, well, Balsam Lake. And, Balsam Lake. <laughs> and Slide. Oh no, Slide wasn't a fire tower. Yeah. yeah, I've been to Balsam Lake. Yeah. Unbelievable views and horrible parking. That's <laughs> <laughs> but what else are you gonna do? So excellent. A little bit of Catskill Mountain history. Now we're gonna jump into the guest of the night, Scott and Joe from Trail Bomb Project. Let's go. So, which is a hiking and backpacking school. This is Awesome to me because I've never heard of this before, and I'm very excited to talk about this, and I'm very excited for this to begin because, once again, I have never heard of this before. This is really wicked, and this could open eyes and, and get people the the education that we definitely need in this in the East Coast that they're unprepared of, definitely unprepared of what's going on in the Catskills, Adirondacks, and Whites. So welcome, guys. Good to see you and talk to you. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's go into a little background about yourself. You know, um, you know, start off with the 
where you live and uh, sort of how you progress into hiking, but not definitely into hiking. We'll talk about that later. Scott, let's uh, let's start with you. Um, <clears throat> well, I'm in Ringwood, New Jersey, which is at the the top middle of uh, of the state. So not you know right next to uh, Orange County, but it still takes me about uh, you know an hour and a half to two hours to get to the Catskills if, uh, if I want to hike up there. Um, so I, I guess I grew up in a, in a family that, uh, did car camping and a, a little bit of backpacking here and there. Um, you know, the, the, the question that you asked earlier about, um, if we felt we were prepared to be out there, you know, hiking when we were younger, if we, you know, got it right away, or if it took us some time, um, you know, growing up, I was in the scouts and we learned a lot of the skills um, but we really didn't do anything that adventurous, uh, you know, usually a couple miles here and there. So when I got to my, uh, my, my teens and, uh, uh, one time I was crossing the country and, and we decided to hike to the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Uh, and it was the middle of August <laughs> and, uh, it was pretty hot. Impressive. Out. Yeah. So we, we went all the way down to the bottom. We had a permit to camp down there and coming out total heat exhaustion, not prepared. <laughs> all, all we had to eat was before, before we left and we were wearing jeans, we were in jeans and uh, nice. we had, we had bought a loaf of bread and a, and a thing of peanut butter. And we took all the bread out and we took the peanut butter, made sandwiches, put it all back into the, into the bag of sandwiches. And that's what we ate the whole time. So, um, I'm glad to have made it out alive that time. Um, and I did it one other time with my, uh, with my wife and that was in the middle of December and it ended up being a, a blizzard coming out. So total polar opposites where I almost died both times. Nice. Um, so, uh, but eventually I um, got a little better at it and kept hiking. And I was, I was in, uh, I was a computer person. I had um, uh, online coupons and cashback shopping businesses and uh, some publishing stuff, but I had always um, wanted to serve in some capacity you know, wanted to give back to the community. And and the only thing that ever comes to mind is, you know, like helping at the soup kitchen or something once a year. So uh, I think it was my wife who said to me one day, she saw a sign that said that the dive team was looking for people. And I was a, a, a dive master at the time. So I actually, I joined the dive team, became a public safety diver, and I joined the dive team. And, um, and after a few years, uh, I realized that unfortunately, unless somebody, you know, it's the middle of winter and it's a kid and they go under, really what you do, you're not going to save a person. It's it's recovery. And the number of calls are few and far between, maybe once or twice a year. And I really wanted to do something a little more active. Uh, so that's how I ended up finding New Jersey Search and Rescue, where I was able to, you know, drill and practice and play hide and seek in the woods and also, you know, make my life exciting and do a lot of hiking, as you know, yeah. all of the drills and find other people to do similar things with. Uh, and at the same time, give back to the community. And, you know, sometimes it's just a walkout, but here and there, you actually make a huge difference, you know, between somebody surviving and somebody not. Uh, so that's kind of like, you know, how I ended up into this hiking the whole way along, but it was really uh, search and rescue has um, introduced me to uh, a number of people, Bill and Erica, uh, who you know yeah. very well, Winterbottom, who introduced me to the Catskills and, uh, and the 3500s. So uh, I credit Search and Rescue, getting to Search and Rescue and meeting those people uh, to get me to uh, to the level that I'm at. 
And we'll definitely go into depth about uh, search and rescue background. So once again, awesome. That's a, a crazy background. You know, it's funny. Uh, I can look at you and, and tell you that that you back then were a backpacker, hippie guy, camper and stuff like that. <laughs> I don't oh, know I why. Was. I was. <laughs> awesome. So thanks, uh, Scott. Joe, how about you and your your background, buddy? Yeah, so I uh, I grew up in uh, Ringwood, New Jersey, <clears throat> same town Scott's in now. I now live in uh, Brunswick, New York. I uh, just recently moved up here a couple weeks ago. Um, as far as me getting involved in the outdoors and my background, I mean, growing up in Ringwood, you kind of have the, the mountains and the lakes around you. I mean, did a little bit of hiking, wasn't, you know, insanely into it. I actually wasn't in scouts or didn't really do all too much. It actually wasn't until I was probably in my early 20s. Um, that I started really getting involved with it. I was um, keeping active, you know, going for hikes and runs and everything. And, you know, it was actually a actually a friend of mine that we were in REI and he saw a, a flyers for, uh, you know, like a, a, tri- a trip to Mount Washington, like in the wintertime. And, you know, we were all about, we were doing like those obstacle races or Spartan races and stuff. And we were keeping active and we saw that. And we're like, oh, that'd be pretty cool. I know nothing about winter <laughs> or, mm-hmm. or anything. And I just signed up and uh, got the right gear and, you know, uh, did Mount Washington like January, whatever, and had an awesome time and got hooked from there. And I was like, well, you know, this was on one side of the spectrum. I should probably build myself up a little bit and started going to the Catskills, started going to the Adirondacks, started meeting people, uh, started taking some courses. I had going to like the rock climbing gym. I had met a member that was uh, a captain uh, of New Jersey Search and Rescue, and I Heard about that. I would hear about the the stories and the rescues and the and the Adirondacks and the Catskills. Like, oh, that'd be pretty cool to, you know, be a part of. And then when I had met this guy, you know, I stopped by NJSAR and went to my first meeting and drill. And, you know, I was hooked ever since. And then once I was with Search and Rescue, you know, everything became full on. I started learning a lot more, being surrounded by so many people that are better than me. And then uh, continue to go to Catskills, Adirondacks, going to other classes and schools. Uh, that led to going out west, going over to Europe, going to all different parts of North America and different mountains and national parks and everything. It, it, you know, it's built up to a lot. But, um, yeah, it really didn't start until I was in my early 20s, really. And then it kind of just started to pick up. And then here I am now taking on uh, our new endeavor of uh, Trailbound Project. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. And, you know, search and rescue, you know, you learn so much more. And then also with search and rescue for me, it wanted me to do much more. (laughs) I'm just like, well, if I can learn this and I'm pretty decent at that, maybe I could try this. And we we both know, well, we all know that you guys know a lot and uh, you guys are crazy talented. So once again, we're going to talk about that uh, in a second. So about what about your hiking background, Scott? I know you're a 35. Are you anything else? No, actually, uh, 3500. That was the the first uh, my introduction to peak bagging, so to speak. Nice. Al- al- although for a while there, um, I was trying to hit all the New Jersey 1000s. I guess it would be. Oh, nice. <laughs> so New Jersey doesn't quite have um, you know the the elevation that other places do, but no, we. Um, uh, we never thought of it that way. You know, we, um, yeah. at, at one point, I think I was about, uh, 30, I'm 51 now. My wife and I had, um, I was an IT director at the time. And, um, my wife and I decided we're, we were in New Jersey and Ridgefield. We decided to 
quit our jobs, sell everything we have and, uh, and go cross country and go live in San Diego. So we, uh, we sold it all. We bought an RV and we put our motorcycles on the back on this trailer and we started heading down towards Florida and we decided to, um, to actually get licensed skydiving as well. So we went from drop zone <laughs> to drop zone on the way out. By the time we hit Texas, we were licensed skydivers. And that's where all of the um, uh, the hiking began. We kind of went up into the Four Corners area and Great Sands and, and Bryce and Zion and Arches Canyonlands was incredible. And But it wasn't really about peaks. It was yeah. more about just going to see what the what the person next to you said was the most amazing thing to go see. So all of it, besides the Grand Canyon itself, we knew we wanted to hike down, you know, yeah. up and down there. So uh, so we kind of hiked our way all through these different stuff and state parks, state parks that, you know, people people know about the national parks. But there's a lot of amazing state parks out there, too. Um, you know, roadrunners going by and you're in places that most people aren't. And we finally made our way out to, to San Diego and uh, did a lot of hiking out there. And then um, and and when we came back, we were back in New Jersey. So we kind of tried to do the same thing. We would, you know, go backpacking in the Pine Barrens, um, which is a cool experience in and of itself. Um, but I, I, I really, I kind of missed that. So when I was back, I was introduced to the 3500 Club and, and to peak bagging as a whole. It was just, it was new to me that you, you know, you could have this goal at the end. It was actually overwhelming when I first heard it. You know, I mean, yeah. that's how, 35 is a big number. Yeah. Um, well, and at the time it really was 35, not anymore. But um, so that's kind of, you know, how I've always looked at at hiking. You know, whenever I got a chance, I went out to go see something beautiful and there really wasn't an objective involved. Yeah. So basically, you know, once again, I only ask this just because uh, people like to, you know, you know, hear the background of, you know, you're a 35 or you're 46 or 48, 115, but you've been all over the place. So you have experienced everything. So I, you know, I'm, I'm just the 35er, you know, maybe I'll go after the 46 highly doubtful, but I just like to hike and I'll hike anywhere. And don't, don't, don't doubt it because I'm going to invite you on all our hikes too. I will try to make it. We'll see. You'll have to convince my wife. <laughs> she just doesn't like me up in the Adirondacks for some reason. <laughs> so, uh, Joe, what about you? What, uh, do you have any, uh, patches and stuff like that? I mean, you don't have to say the patches, but your hiking background basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, besides local, I, I've done a handful of cat skills. I, I don't know the number of what I've done. I'm going to guess around 10, maybe like low teens. I've done a bunch with uh, Bill. Uh, I am a 46 in Adirondacks. I'm closing in on my winter. I think I'm at maybe nice. like 38, 39. Uh, closing in with that. Uh, done Mount Washington in the winter a couple of times. Um, so a bunch in the east, some in Vermont. Uh, made my way out west to some of the bigger things out there. Rainier. Baker a couple oh, of times. Uh, there you go. Shucks and Whitney. I uh, went over to Europe to Elbrus on the north side. Been down in Mexico for a couple of volcanoes down there, like Orizaba, Ixtusuaco, <laughs> a few that are all like between 17, 18, and a half thousand feet. Um, so bounced around and all that kind of stuff. And then a bunch of national parks. Um, then, you know, they don't have to be as, as challenging, but just beautiful. Like Acadia, I was just at Rocky. Um, I just love getting outside and just just being taken back from what i'm saying you know <laughs> yeah so that's once again another another point is that you know people are like with all their patches and stuff like that and then you can come back like well did you climb rainier have you climbed rainier no i don't think sorry about that no 
No. Or, you know, how many times have you climbed Mount Washington? You know, one of the, the dangerous mountains in the world. Uh, no. <laughs> you see, it's a lot of people think like the patches are, I, I mean, they're a cool deal. It's a good goal. But just because you have all the patches doesn't mean you have experienced everything. What I what I do like, I was listening. Uh, uh, I, I've talked to you about this before. The uh, the, the podcast up in New Hampshire. Um, I'm forgetting their names right now. Uh, uh, sounds like a search message. and rescue. Yes, and uh, and uh, one of them was talking about uh, a, a patch, a um, a peak bagging thing. But it's 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 I don't know fifty with a view. I think it's called. Ah, uh, yeah, fifty two with a view. Fifty two with a view. I mean, that's fantastic. I mean, they're not all you know the highest or anything but they're the 52 with these amazing views and and maybe some are really challenging in terms of the scrambles you got to do or you know kind of like some of the hikes in acadia are these ones where they've got these rungs in the side and i know that we could argue over whether there should be rungs or not but uh but you know something that makes it challenging and something that's just beautiful or maybe the animals there are beautiful or whatever it is i do really appreciate going to the highest parts of you know a certain area but there's also those other aspects of hiking that are just fantastic too and it's cool they made a patch for that yeah definitely maybe i should do that in the catskills oh that would be great (laughs) (laughs) um so uh when did you uh guys start to join search and rescue for new jersey Uh, i i joined five and a half years ago right now is what it's at nice and uh it's got it was 2014 so eight i guess nice nice and uh now what are you i know you both have different ranks right scott what are you in the the search and rescue team i'm a, I'm a captain captain oh wow yeah. joe and you are you a lieutenant yeah i'm a lieutenant and the uh mru lead nice see oh, i'm a little freaking insane insane so um are you an mru scott or no i am and when i'm on mru i might be a captain but he's my boss nice okay so <laughs> let's uh so sar background you guys are well into sar you've done everything scott i know you basically uh ever since i did my first drill down in new jersey it was a mock drill um i met scott on the trail we found him being mauled by a bear and <laughs> and he had blood all over him fake blood but it was actually well done we had to follow traces of blood and Unfortunately, it was very late in the day and it was early spring. So it was like 545 and getting dark and we didn't want to have to do a rope rescue in the middle of the night or uh, a carry out going back at like 10 o'clock. So um, that was the first time I met Scott. And seriously, to be honest, I was like, wow, this guy is like a a freaking SAR genius and all stuff like that. I'm like, (laughs) look at this guy. Um, so I know Scott from the amazing expansive star backgrounds for Joe and Scott and people will, will, will question the New Jersey search and rescue. Do not freaking question their skills on that team. Holy crap. They it's, it's insane. And do not question how many call outs they freaking get per month. It's insane. I, I love it. I love talking about it and it's just, it's hilarious. I'm just like, Oh, we got another call out to New Jersey again for a search and rescue. And they're like, what New Jersey? I'm like, yeah happens all the time and thank you we we can use your your resources from new york coming in to help us i will try to get down there for that three and a half four hour drive whenever i can <laughs> <laughs> i might make it like halfway and all of a sudden it's called off but yeah that drill that drill that you're talking about um was really uh i mean it was a fun drill and um and and that part of it was set up where i think it was kind of like a um like a 
what do they call it? A potato cellar. There's an old potato cellar ruin there, and and we had put a uh, a Bluetooth speaker in there that uh, yes. made bear sounds. And um, and there were two of us in two different locations, and we had gotten one had been completely mauled, and the other kind of mauled. And um, the reason that we did it though is that we talk about bear safety all the time, but we really don't get to practice it. We don't get to experience it um, where you get surprised. And that's what happened. I remember one night drill that we were, I don't know if you were there, Joe, when, uh, you know, we're, we're navigating at night and we're going along and you can't really see anything. And all of a sudden there's this huge roar right next to us. Um, <laughs> and, and how do you react? So we had talked a lot about that before that drill. And we said, you know what, it's really cool and it'll be fun. It'll scare people, but that's the point. They really need to know how they will react and whether or not they need to think it through in their heads more go through what happens if this happens what am i going to do how am i going to back up slowly how am i going to act big how am i going to do all of these things so although it's fun and there's blood and everything it really has a practical element to it that's uh that's smart to train on exactly this is why you guys are doing the trail bomb project leads up into that thing so let's go quickly about mru what is mru and uh what are your guys's in MRU? Once again, let's just go over this real quickly. Yeah, uh, MRU is the mountain rescue unit for New Jersey Search and Rescue. So New Jersey Search and Rescue is the team. And then we have a couple of specialized units. We have IMU, our incident management unit. We have MRU, the mountain rescue unit. And then we have our medical unit. Um, so we're so we're fully MRA accredited. You know, that's the Mountain Rescue Association. There's actually only... I think f- there's four teams fully accredited east of the Mississippi. Um, wow. So there's only about know, 40, 50 people that could, you know, wear that patch, you know, east of the Mississippi river. Um, so when it comes to high angle, steep angle, low angle, any kind of tech rescue, uh, that's when we come in. So it's a whole extra set of drills, whole extra set of equipment and spending and everything. But uh, once the ropes come out and things get technical, that uh, that's when we come out, there's about, 10 of us versus I think about 65 on NJSAR. So a little bit of a smaller group, but uh, a lot of great people just like the team. And uh, it's, it's exciting to be a part of and work with everyone. A lot of, a lot of, uh, of gear involved. Um, as he said, technical, a lot of perishable skills. So uh, to be on MRU and, and, and to be ready when you're called out on MRU, you really need to keep training, keep training, keep training. So there's a lot of additional time. Um, but the other thing about MRU is that in New Jersey, you know, you don't, there are a few places where there might be an 80 foot cliff, but that's not the norm, right? Um, but that's not all it's for. It's for when somebody falls 15 feet onto, uh, onto a ledge or they've fallen into a very, you know, a, a, a little divot there in the, in the, in the landscape and there's no way to get down to them um, as a whole team and carry them out. So they need to be, uh, taken out by ropes. So there's all different um, scenarios, uh, not just an 80 foot cliff where somebody was a climber stuck on the side, but other scenarios where you would need to employ um, uh, the MRU. Exactly. And going behind MRU is a whole nother set of skills, um, not tying. Basically the biggest thing uh, in, in mountain rescue is safety. I mean, you guys go over the ledge and everything has to be checked. What do you get to check it three times? Correct. Before you even do anything. Yeah. You're checking, you know, the, your safety checking yourself. And then we'll have a 
a technical rigging officer and a safety officer, you know, they'll come over, they'll hand check, you know, we'll touch check. So we'll actually grab each carabiner. We'll touch your harness. We'll touch your helmet. We'll make sure every buckle, everything's, everything's all squared away. You know, you definitely go through a couple of safety checks before somebody goes over. Absolutely, man. Yeah. That, that one time we did the, uh, the drill with you guys, it was intense. It was uh very intense. It was my first time repelling and ascending through via rope. And it's just nice that the, the, the stuff that you guys, you know, you're like heart is beating crazy because you're like, Holy shit, this is a 70 foot cliff right here. Um, do I trust these guys to <laughs> hold my, my knots together? And then like, and then what, like, like you said, there's three different check, you check it, somebody else checks it. And then the higher ranking officer checks it. And then because- there's a level of redundancy on top of that. Um, you know, you're on two lines as opposed to just one yeah. to make sure that even with those checks, you know, uh, anything can happen. Um, so we've got redundancy built into everything as well. Yeah. So once again, another reason for the Trailbound project is, you know, to throw in some of the knot tying that I have no clue about. I could probably do a figure eight and a bite and that's probably it. Maybe a month or hitch. That's about it. So you guys, Those I might some need good skills right there. That's great. Yeah, that'll get you places. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very little places, but <laughs> the other stuff I have no clue about. I've, I've tried, but um, we'll see. Maybe I'll, I'll join some mountain rescue unit again and, and uh, just keep sweating and then watch you guys and be like, I'm out. I'm out. But uh, so let's let's get on to to basically the topic of the night, the Trailbound Project. What is the Trailbound Project? Yeah, so that's our that's our new in, endeavor. It's the hiking and backpacking school in New Jersey. Uh, we started up, and basically our our vision behind it, you know, had years of search and rescue, you know, years of our own recreational backgrounds. And in recent years, especially, we talked about the pandemic. There's been an uptick in outdoor recreation, and we sense the you know and see the need to you know educate others you know i think a lot of people want to get into outdoor recreation you know want to look to further themselves in education not really sure how um so you know we thought it'd be great to you know develop this school to welcome people from all levels you know novices to experts and you know come up with a school that's incremental so you know teaching a skill and building upon it so uh, we, we came up you know with like a level system you know, where you might start off in the beginning where we're talking about gear essentials, you know, our 10 essentials, uh, basics and safety, you know, then we'll move on to self-rescue, you know, fire, shelter, um, not tying, water treatment, then get into more navigation, you know, from phone apps, GPS, map and compass, then get into medical, then eventually backpacking, bushwhacking. Um, you know, we want, we wanted something to build people up and then also have some kind of community. So you, you don't just come and take a class and then, I mean, you can certainly go on your own way afterwards, but you try to bring people together. Cause we've always found that, you know, between our own team and courses and classes we've taken it's those after hours of networking and getting to know each other, where a lot of learning happens. So we wanted a community where people can come together and, you know, you'll get a patch as you progress through our courses and, you know, this way, when you're in the woods too, eventually when you see other people with those patches, you'll say, oh, there's another trail boundary. You know, they carry the right things. They know what they're, they know how to use them. They can help themselves. They can help us. And, you know, kind of a win-win for everyone is what we're going with the big, the big vision for it. Nice. 
it, it was it was born from all those conversations that uh, that Joe and I had over the years, as well as many of the people on our team. Um, you know, during callouts where you know something could have been prevented, um, usually from preparation, um, but sometimes if somebody had helped them along the way. So we just kept on 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 talking about these issues until we said, you know, maybe we could be part of the solution uh, instead of just talking about it. And and really, not that it's a burden. Everyone in search and rescue enjoys search and rescue. They enjoy being able to give back. They enjoy training. It makes their life uh, better. But, you know, a lot of the call outs happen on a Friday night, right after dark, when somebody is now missing because it's after dark, or they even call it in themselves. And they're, you know, they got 1% left on their phone. And that's what they were using for their map. And that's what they're going to use for their light. And the choice is to call 911 instead, and have somebody come in to, um, uh, to help them. So, so we said, how can we be part of this solution and obviously one part of it is is education um and there's a lot of people especially uh, during the pandemic that said uh, we have the time now and the desire to go out and enjoy nature i don't have anyone to hold my hand they didn't grow up in one of the families like ours where we went camping or we knew about this stuff so they just go out unprepared maybe they google a little bit um so we figured that um from everything that we've seen um, and Joe touched on the, the gear essentials, all of the gear that we've touched and realized what was wrong with it and why this one was better or that one was better. We've learned the hard way. We've seen the other 65 members of the team learn the hard way. Um, it could be durability because we're out there month after month after month using these things. And we know which ones wear out faster and which ones break and which ones work fantastic. So we're able to give that back. Um, so education's a huge component. And then uh, I don't think you went over uh, challenges. So one of the, the education's fantastic. And I'm sure you've experienced this. You, you go to a class and you learn all this stuff and you really learn it well. And then you try to recall it a month or two later and you have no idea. Ropes, how to, ropes, knots, tying. Not, not, that's a fantastic example. The only way that you're going to remember knots is if you keep tying the knots. Yep. Um, so, so we, we thought about that and, you know, that's a hard, that's a hard nut to crack. And we figured that they need to keep using it. It needs to be taught in the first place with the practical application that it's used for, right? You can't just take a piece of rope and, and tie the knot and then remember it because you haven't even tied it on the thing that you're going to be using it for, right? Yeah. So if you break out that tarp and you tie a taut line and you adjust the tarp, you now have that built-in memory of why you used it, what you did, and it really helps you retain it later. But even that isn't enough. You need to keep doing it. So we came up with this idea. It's not an original idea, but we're, we're adapting it to, to our vision. And that is to, after every course, and anybody could do this, we have a challenge. And uh, one example would be, say you took a wilderness first aid class and, you know, it's a 16 hour class learning how to splint and how to, how to do a patient assessment and how to do all those medical things. So the challenge would be you come on another day, maybe a month, two months, six months later, and there are 20 people there and boom, go. And everyone goes off on their hike in the woods and you got sort of a competition going and not all challenges will be against each other. Some might be against yourself, but on that hike, 
you will come across simulated scenarios of somebody in distress, be it, you know, an illness or, or a trauma or whatever it is. And you're sort of graded um, on, on, on how you assessed it, how you treated the person and how you figured out how to get that person out. Um, and then at the end, you know, you hope that you win, you learn from the others, you hang out at the end with everybody else and you talk about what went right and what went wrong. And it's a community that's that's building. So there's all different, you know, it could even be treasure hunts, uh, which are, you know, go towards navigation, map and compass, GPS, nice. all that sort of stuff. So you've got the 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 education and you got the challenges and and then to build the community more. Wh one of the things that we see um, in the Facebook groups uh, and from those people who are just first getting out there, those people in COVID who said, all right, none of my friends want to go hike. I really want to do it. I don't know that much. I'm going to go do it myself. They go out there and they're hoping they'll meet other people to do more with. But it's hard to meet people when you go hiking by yourself, you know, somewhere yeah. beautiful. It's not an easy thing. So, um, so what we decided to do was we have these uh, courses and we have these challenges and, and, you know, in order to put those on, those cost money, right? We got to pay our insurance and all that kind of stuff. So that makes sense. But can we do something for free where these people can teach each other, they can be each other's mentors and, and find the compatible hiking partners. So once a month, um, and this is still in its design phase, we're thinking uh, the first Friday of October is when it's going to start once a month. For anyone who's been a student, for anybody that's a guest of the student or anybody who wants to find out more about the Trailbound project, you can come and uh, and hang out and it'll be all day and into the evening. And Joe and I will be there. We've got our own projects that we're always working on. But if somebody shows up and they're working on on their tarp shelters or they're working on some medical stuff or knots or um, or, or they have questions about the gear or they want to see some of our gear, whatever it is, they come and they can just hang out and do that stuff. And then it'll kind of culminate in, you know, nice bonfire, good food, hanging out, talking to each other. And we want to do that once a month for everybody that's part of this community. And hopefully um, what that'll do is not only will it pair everybody up, and they take courses, and like Joe said, they 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 achieve these levels, right? There's a whole bunch of different courses in the in the hiking in the trail bounder level, and then there's a whole bunch of different courses in the uh, backpacking level, and then the bushwhacking. Yeah, level. we'll talk about those later. And when you do those, and you've accomplished that, you've got a patch, and they're out there in the woods. We all go hiking, right? So if somebody's in distress on your normal hikes, these people are already there. NJ Sar. CMSR might not need to be called because they have the gear, they have the skills, they're already out there. And 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 the, Joe laughed at me, but when we were coming up with this whole vision, the way that I had envisioned it was the guardian angels in the city, right? There are these these uh, guys and gals who are black belts. They're um, you know they're, they're very skilled at uh, at, at defense. They're, they wear these red berets and they're in the subways and they're all over the city. And if somebody's in distress, they come and they help out. And I saw that as, as something similar to what we're trying to do just in the woods. No, we're not going out there beating up the bears or anything like that. <laughs> but we're out there and we can say, oh, the parking lot where you parked is over there. Or uh, here, look at my map. Or you know what? I carry a second map. Here you go. Pay it forward. 
or here's a bottle of water, or you broke your leg, I'm going to get you some help and we're going to get you out. So, um, so I've been actually, I, I've been saying this uh, to a lot of people and Joe is always there and Joe always kind of nodded. One day Joan turns to me, he goes, I, I don't even know who the guardian angels are. <laughs> and I thought maybe it was a generational thing. Stash, you know who the, uh, the guardian angels are? Negative. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? No, no. So I guess I'm I'm alone in that. But you understand my vision. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, backing up all, all that, you basically did this project to further education for hikers and backpackers and stuff like that. Um, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, 100%. That's awesome. That's incredible. Um, you guys have so much experience uh with backpacking and search and rescue and hiking and ropes and rescues and mountain rescue um so this will involve hiking backpacking what else can you add on to that like uh you said you know i'm guessing fire building skills stuff like that yeah you know it obviously you know it covers hiking and backpacking and then the levels kind of break those down a little more segmented you know uh, like you mentioned, uh, drinking water treatment, um, fire starting skills, shelter, uh, and, you know, a lot of these things, um, you know, they're geared towards everyone, you know, they're not so much uh, full on survival, you know, even if you're someone that, you know, is just car camping or likes to have fires in the backyard and hang out and you want to work on your fire skills, you know, it, it's everything we do is catered to functionality. So we're not getting too much into this survivalish bushcraft stuff. And it's not to bash that. That stuff is great. But, you know, we're looking for, you know, dependable items in the pack, what we carry all the time. And, uh, you know, how can we, uh, you know, apply those right away? And, um, yeah, it, you know, it breaks down that hiking and backpacking and, you know, thinks about everything that's involved in those categories, and, you know, kind of isolates it and then, you know, builds upon it. So then when you actually do the full thing, like our backpacking, you know, might involve, you know, advanced map reading, advanced trip planning, you know, dehydrated food classes when we talk about nutrition and everything. It kind of breaks up everything that you would want in like your ideal backpacker, your ideal hiker. So this way you can pick and choose the courses you want to better yourself and pass on the skills. And this way, when you go on ahead, either through us for backpacking trips or your own, you know, you're that much of a better leader, a better teammate. And uh, so we're trying to offer, you know, all the different avenues and angles, you know, under hiking and backpacking, essentially. Nice. And, and everybody's different, you know, I mean, some people yeah. have an, an objective of, you know, being able to go out on a three mile hike and feel safe and know what to do if, you know, if, if some other hiker's dog attacks them or, or they encounter a bear or a rattlesnake or anything like that. And, and that is where they want to be. And, and, and that might be where they end up or they might, meet people along the way that are in the community and say, Hey, I want to give backpacking, you know, a, a, a shot. And, and now I know people um, who can help me with that. They can tell me what I need to, uh, to buy or to make or, um, or whatever it is. Um, but we want to make sure that, that they're doing it the right way. So, before just going out and you know the whole um you know give someone a fish they eat for a day teach someone to fish and they eat for a lifetime mm -hmm. uh we do it sort of incrementally as joe was saying where we might uh if you want to go backpacking well you gotta get the right gear and do a two mile checkout hike first you got to know how to pack your pack so that you know you don't run into problems that first time 
pass on all the hard lessons that everybody has learned along the way and pass it on so it's easier and you can be uh, enjoy it and be safe. Yeah. Without anxiety and stuff like that. Like, did I forget this? Did I uh, miss that or good call? I like it. I like it. So um, basically what uh, the courses and the levels let's, let's go into that one and then we'll go into the challenges after that. So what are the levels that you guys are offering? I've noticed that on the website, there's three different levels, correct? Let's break it. Let's go, let's go into that. Yeah. So um, there's essentially uh, level one is trail bounder, you know, level two is backpacker and level three is uh, bushwhacker. And in those are several courses. And then it even breaks down more actually in some courses, there's classes, you know, so for your level one trail bounder, you know, we're trying to think, you know, you're, you're a hiker, you're looking to get into this and everything, or you're already a little bit established and you want to further yourself, you know, so what's involved with that, you know, so we thought about, you know, again, from all different types of entry levels, you know, trailbound course. So there's your gear essentials where, you know, you'll learn about, you know, our recommendations, you know, about our take on the 10 essentials, hiking basics and safety. That's another class in there where we'll go over dealing with animal encounters, plan identification, um, say two dogs getting a fight, you know, what to do, reading trailblazes, you know, all that sort of stuff, you know, cater to a whole bunch of different people. Uh, and then that kind of builds on itself. And then it goes to the self-rescue course where there'll be knots and we won't even just be kind of sitting in a classroom tying knots. We'll be, everything we're trying to do at Trailbound Project is do it in a functional manner. So we might learn the trucker's hitch, but be using it to tie up a heavy bear hang. You know, I'm sure you've been there. You throw the big food, heavy food bag over the tree. You know, everyone's kind of wrapping the rope around their wrist to try to crank it up. And we might show the trucker's hitch and apply it to that. Uh, might show the taut line hitch as we're doing a shelter, you know, so that'll be our knots class. Then we have shelter. Um, so we break that down a couple categories, whether you just want to get out of the sun, whether in the other extreme side where you really got to get warm quick, and you got a burrito wrap or something. So we'll get into all different things like that. Fire, drinking water treatment. Uh, and then recently we just did our mapping compass class and even in navigation, that'll break down to two classes. It'll be traditional map and compass. You know, you'll learn about interpreting contour lines, map reading, you know, just getting, just being able to look at an area and be familiar with the trails, be familiar with what's in the map key. This way you can kind of see what's coming on your hikes before you actually head out. Uh, and then we're going to do a kind of like a half virtual, half in-person GPS trip planning class where, you know, we'll go over the GPS, we'll go over our recommendations and touch base on all the popular apps that, you know, you use, we use in SAR, CalTopo, you know, Gaia, Venza and everything. But, you know, the all unique trails. Yeah. And then uh, the unique part about that class is we'll do it virtual. We'll talk about all that stuff. We'll plan a hike on CalTopo. And then the second day of the class, we'll go for that hike plan. But everyone will share their tracks, you know, with that loved one back at home. And then they'll be, they'll go hiking and then, you know, the class will really come full circle at the end when you go home and you say, you know, did you see me? And like, yeah, you know, saw you the whole time. And, you know, you told me your plan and, you know, I saw you where you were at each time. So all the different timestamps and, you know, that, that'll add a lot of security for that. Um, and then kind of like the last course under trail bounder will be uh, the medic course. So we'll do our CPR and then our wilderness first aid. 
which nice. uh, we're even we're, we're even looking to kind of customize that a little bit and really break things down functionally. Um, WFA is a, an amazing class. Uh, we're trying even to even up the ante on that and think about what's what's functional, what's practical. Really focus on the bandaging, the splinting, and all about that. So that's everything in the trailbounder course. And you know, in the in in that in all of that stuff that that Joe was talking about, there's the uh, the underlying theme of self sufficiency. You know that um, the, the gear essentials course that he talked about. Uh, it's it, I can't emphasize enough that it's that it's our take on it. You know, and a lot of people we did a survey, and I think seventy five percent had never heard of the ten essentials, um, which was very surprising. And then another ten mm. percent said that even though they've heard of it, they don't carry it. Yeah. Um, so that's obviously something that we promote quite a bit. But the 10 essentials are 10 categories. It's not 10 things. It used to be a long time ago, but now it's 10 categories, you know, illumination and first aid. So we break it down to every single thing that you should have in there. Now, there are suggestions. You don't have to actually have them to pass the course or anything, but there are suggestions. And we've got it down so that with all of this stuff, it's under eight pounds in your backpack. You can always have it there and grab it. And like you said before, it, it, we don't need to rely, although I have a blast doing, you know, bushcraft stuff like bow drills and and uh, debris shelters and all that kind of stuff. You don't need to rely on that because you have that super lightweight tarp that can be an improvised litter, uh, that can be any kind of shelter. We've devised it so that in less than eight pounds, you have everything to hang out there for a week out there or help anybody that needs help. And all of those courses that Joe talked about, it's all about self-sufficiency. You don't have to, um, you know, uh, uh, create a bow drill and wait two, three hours before you hopefully have that fire to help somebody. Um, you have not only uh, the lighter and the backup stuff and the tinder and all the things that you need, but it will work if it's a driving rain and you will have the skills to do that immediately in that driving rain and get that person out of, out of harm's way or get yourself out of harm's way. Yeah. Um, so it's all about self-sufficiency. Nice. That's a really good one. And then, you know, and that just all that we talked about, you know, that just falls into level one, <laughs> you know, that's just yeah, right? uh, the, the first level. And then, you know, to kind of go over the, you know, the whole outline, you know, it's, you know, then you get to, you know, so you got your first day down, first day down, you're feeling good about that. You know, you carry the right stuff, you know how to use it, you know how to navigate, you know, and if you choose so, the next thing would be, all right, I'm feeling really comfortable on these day hikes, you know, either long or short, you know, let me give an overnight a shot. You know, maybe some people want to go for that right away, or maybe some people as they're getting involved in this community, they're meeting other like-minded people and maybe the opportunity to overnight and camp was never there. And now they're saying, you know, if this person's doing it and this person's doing it, you know, I'll, I'll do it. And then the next level uh, would be backpacker. And and we'll even dive down the rabbit hole on some of these topics even more. Like shelter, too. You know, the, the first shelter class will we'll mainly focus on functionality with the tarp. You know, staying lightweight. You know, basically the shelters are emergency plan or a back pocket. We're still going for our day hikes. But in case something happens to ourselves or somebody else, we can jump right in, you know, we can take care of it. But then shelter two, we'll get into the bivvies, all different types of tents, advanced knots. We'll dive into a little bit more of those. Drinking water level two, you know, we'll get involved with the pumps, things like Sawyer squeeze, inline filters, you know, we'll go down all of that. 
like dehydrating food, backpacking nutrition, clothing and heat loss. We'll go down the whole rabbit hole of soft shell, hard shell, you know, all the different types of things like that. More advanced net, more advanced apps, traction devices, peak bagging above tree lines, safety, self-rescue, you know. So we'll just continue to prepare these students, you know, more and more for the backpacking courses. And then, of course, we'll go on trips ourselves and they'll feel pretty confident with that. And then if you really do good in that, you know, you want to keep progressing, you know, we've now built you up to hiking. Now you're camping and everything. We're still staying on trail. And if you want to get into bushwhacking, you know, map and compass advanced classes, you know, we'll get into pace counting and be dealing with fully off trail, uh, grid reading, uh, more advanced apps. You know, we'll be getting into Cal Topo and doing more advanced trip planning, natural navigation, you know, you've taken Sartec 2 and everything. We'll be dealing with following ridges and valleys back to camp. Back oh, yeah, to that's my specialty. <laughs> that's my specialty. I don't I don't use map and compass. I don't use the uh, GPS. I, I follow the ridge and I'm just like, yeah, this will take me up to the top. This is good. I always wondered. I know I know you hit a lot of, um, you know, plane wrecks and things like that. Do you do you ever use the pacing and and um and following contour lines to get to certain places or or some of the more advanced orienteering techniques like handrails and, and aiming off and then turning the right way or any of that stuff? Yeah. So see, I mean, I've, I've learned uh, the contour lines are very, very uh, important when you're looking for the plane crashes and stuff like that, because previous reports will say 2,800 feet. So you got to know where that 2,800 feet is in between, you know, the 3,250 and then down below is like a 2,750. So you're just like, hmm, I got to guess of, you know, I got to calculate when these are. So that'll be a good one to teach is definitely some contour lines is good to read when you're, when you have those maps. Yeah, definitely. And then we'll go into night navigation, GPS, Ooh, yeah. theory, all different types of coordinate systems. And yeah, the night nav, that'll, that'll be awesome. You know, some of the challenges with that would be, you know, you're dropped off, you know, maybe blindfolding, map compass, you, you got to get out, you know, we'll get into winter travel. Uh, so, so that'll be our, our bushwhacking class. So we got a whole line of stuff in those levels to pretty much, you could walk in at any level and you can build yourself up to, you know, whatever you choose to be and be surrounded by like-minded people. Nice. And from my experience... I was just going to, I mean, people don't normally come in and they say, oh, I want to, I want to bushwhack and I'm going to start at the beginning and go through all of this stuff. Usually people don't realize they don't understand um, all of those gems that are out there that you can only find if you bushwhack, as you know, with the, with uh, plane wreckages or beautiful waterfalls that only a few people know about or beautiful yeah. views, uh, ruins, all kinds of different things. They're just nature just beautiful stuff and the only way to get to those things is to do some bushwhacking um so having the confidence to go out there and go off trail uh and use map and compass a lot of people will use their gps and uh even cell phone apps and they're absolutely fantastic and both joe and i use them all the time constantly um the moment that they crap out you gotta yeah. have that uh, map and compass. It's funny; it just happened to my wife. Uh, she just went on a hike with uh, with our two dogs while I was sitting here working at my desk. And um, what it was really hot out, and she brought a ton of water. But uh, I guess one of our dogs, she's getting older, and she just wasn't having it, so she had to carry her. So she's carrying the oh. dog, and the phone popped right out of my wife's pocket. 
Oh no. So, and she was using it. And so now she's got one dog in her arm. She's got another one on a, on a, on a lead and she's got no apps anymore. And she says to herself, well, I got a map. And she went out, broke her stuff out and made it back just fine. So yeah, uh, it's great to see it in practice. It's, it's definitely a big skill that you, you should learn. Of course. I mean, the technology we have today, you know, would you need it? Yes. It's very good skill to learn, but most likely with today, with uh, the technology, if you're you're out there, you can use it. But the map and skills compass uh, learning is a whole nother level. Is is basically takes you above that GPS, above that cell phone, and it gets you confident in hiking even more. Um, and that that's great. So when uh, one question, uh, if someone comes in and they want to do like let's say bushwhacking and you do not think they're skilled enough to do bushwhacking, would you like tell them like, hey, maybe you should go down to level two and do, you know, backpacking before you do this or go down to, to level one and do uh, the trail bound before you do this? Would you guys suggest that or you, would you just let them go and, and try to teach them as much as you can? Joe and Joe and I have had a lot of discussions about this, you know, over the, the past couple of years of just trying to develop this um we thought about people testing in you know like do you do you have these skills let me see how you do it but you don't really want to do that you know if yeah. somebody just wants to take a course um so i think and and actually correct me if i'm wrong because this is still in in development and joe and i are still in discussion about it um is that that's another reason we have dirt time is because that person can come out and hang out with us and we can talk about their experiences um, you know, Stash, you could come and you could say, I've done this and I've done that. And, um, and no, I don't use my compass and that might cause me concern, but you might tell me all of the experiences that, uh, and, and we can, we can see who's done what you could see it in their eyes. You could see, hear it from their experiences, what level they're at. Um, so we might say, uh, we're certainly not going to put anyone in danger and all of these challenges that we talk about, especially the one that, um, which is going to be fantastic, the whole blindfold somebody and put them in the, nice. middle of the woods and they got to find their way out over the course of, you know, a 24 hour period. They will have a satellite tracker on them. Um, we will be watching them, you know, the entire time. So we, we might put a satellite tracker on, um, on somebody like that the first time that they're out. Um, we might say, look, from, from what you told us, uh, it sounds like you've got a lot of experiences here, but there are cer certain basic skills that we would prefer you have so that we're comfortable with having you out there. Um, so you would need to do this. So it's going to be on a case by case basis. Um, how do you feel about it, Joe? Yeah, that's pretty much it. You know, again, you know, we want to not make people test in and have a larger barrier to entry but of course we're looking out for safety we're looking out for you know the person to have their best experience also so uh yeah dirt time is a great time to come out and you know share your experience and it, you know not not necessarily look at it that you have to prove yourself but you'll be meeting so many like-minded people and at that point you know if we get a feel for you know that you know this person's been around a couple of times has the right gear and everything sure you know absolutely you know there's no reason why somebody with a good amount of experience would have to sit through the basics you know just to get up to that point uh but of course you know we're looking out for safety we don't want somebody you know maybe stretching their abilities a bit more to you know come off farther than what they are and then you know not only not have a good time but you know we want people we want people to be successful you know nice. so uh, it'll be case by case definitely 
And, yeah. you know, as, t- as time goes by, um, and this is like part of this whole vision, you know, you have people coming through as trailbounder and then backpacker and bushwhacker. We're going to meet some people who this is really, you know, they, they enjoy it um, and they want it as much a part of their lives as Joe and I do. And as you probably do too, Sash. So um, that is where our pool of instructors are going to come from. That's our pool of mentors. That's where they're going to come from. They're going to be at uh, at dirt time. And we might say, you know what? Uh, th- those experiences are great. Um, our friend uh, uh, Ron over there, he's been through that class and he would be a great person to hook up with do some hikes, do some backpacks, do some bushwhacking with and see maybe you can grab some tips off him or maybe you can even teach him. But we'll have people out there that are mentors um, and maybe even some that are instructors that we can pass them to to say, you know, let's 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 check you out. Let's see what your baseline is and see if you're ready for X, Y, Z. Nice. Yeah, that's good. So it's almost I would say it's very, very similar to Cub Scouts, only adult version. Uh, hike the hike like hiking adult version no uniforms no uniforms <laughs> no no like uh i'm trying to think of the other stuff that they had to oh god it's been so long since i've no skits yeah no skits no no parents dropping you off and stuff like that so hey that's... at third time who knows if we might end up with some skits who knows uh but gonna uh, say, yeah it's 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 a little bit it's it's a little bit actually way more exciting than cub scouts because you're you're getting into to stuff that uh that's you know life or death sometimes if you do not have those essentials and that's what you guys are going to be teaching is stuff that could save your life or save somebody else's life which is absolutely fantastic and is what we need we definitely need education as we've we've known within the past couple of years of being in search and rescue and being in social media and stuff like that and seeing what has happened on in the world with search and rescue in the past couple of years, it's very, very many people are uneducated and they don't have the skills to go out there in, you know, October and think that like, Oh no, it's, it's just a little bit of snow. I don't, I don't need to bring snowshoes or spikes. And then they get up, you know, 500 feet and all of a sudden they're battling ice and you know, they break their ankle from slipping on ice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And do you guys, so with that, would you have a, like, would you have a level that is also winter courses and stuff like that? Or does that collaborate into like the backpacker uh, uh, level and stuff like that? Or is everything, that'd be a cool thing to break it down into winter. Yeah, we, we will have some winter stuff in backpacking and then also all by itself. Um, nice. You know, so we'll have, you know, traction devices, we'll get into, you know, micro spikes, crampons, snowshoes, but you know, might not even be necessarily challenges and I don't know if I want to even word it as events, but we'll be running, uh, you know, gatherings where, you know, we might go for snowshoeing, you know, up in the Catskills, up in New Jersey. Now maybe, maybe even farther down the line, you know, could introduce some of MRU, you know, do a day of rappelling, you know, we can definitely branch off and all those different things, but winter is definitely something, you know, we, we want to push, you know, to show people, you know, once, you know, it starts getting dark and, you know, it starts getting cold, you don't have to end the hiking season. You know, it could actually be some of the most beautiful times. I'm sure you could side with that, yeah. that, uh, you know, it's a little bit less people. And if you know how to dress and know how to take care of yourself, it can be one of the most beautiful times of the year to be out there. So we definitely want to properly encourage that. We'll definitely be doing things, you know, in the wintertime to get people introduced to that and, 
either get them upstate or even just New Jersey and just, you know, make them feel a little more comfortable about themselves to, uh, you know, not fear it so much. I think when people think about the cold and getting dark early, that's when those natural concerns come into play. And I totally side with them. But I think uh, with what we'll offer, we can give some assurance to those people to say, you know, let me give this a shot and be part of that community. And before they know, you know, they could be doing it and say, wow, I've been been missing out, but glad I got started. Yeah. You know, with, within these, these levels, there are certain um, uh, basics, right. And, you know, to be a hiker, you really need all of these basics and to be a backpacker, you need all of these basics. There are going to be those people who they hate the cold they don't want to but yeah. you want you want them to be able to be a backpacker and achieve that level so like joe was saying it's sort of uh i wouldn't call it an elective but a a, a side class that you can take and and trust me i mean joe is is way more into it than me he's been a, a, a uh, an instructor at the adirondack winter school for years uh so he loves that stuff he loves making uh, snow kitchens and all kinds of stuff that are way nice. down here I- ice climbing and stuff <laughs> nice um so i have a lot to learn from him on that uh, but i don't like the cold as much as he does but for some people they're really into it and i really do we, we do a trip uh our mru uh our unit does a trip every winter where we go do some uh, uh some adirondack peaks um you know in January, February, March, depending on, on on scheduling. So we love that and we'd love to pass it on, but we know everybody doesn't want to do that. So we're going to put those things kind of, you know, night nav is another thing. We we do teach to the night nav to an extent where if you get yourself into a situation where, you know, lights are out and you need to figure out how to get back, that's something that everyone who's a trail bounder hiker or a backpacker needs to know. But not everyone uh gets their kicks by being out all night long like we do just you know finding things in the woods so those will be kind of side classes that are for the people who really want it but it won't necessarily be part of the levels sweet that's great excellent so once again everything education 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 and you guys definitely have the the background to support that so excellent um what about uh any local events uh charities and stuff like that are you going to be doing to promote trailbound project yeah, we got a couple of different things going on from different avenues. You know, we'll be doing actually pairing up with the trail conference, New Jersey, New York trail conference, doing a, you know, free workshops, you know, maybe like hour long, um, nice. teaching various topics, um, be almost like a little teaser for what, you know, we do. So we'll definitely be trying to convey certain skills and have those people walk away with something from an hour. If they want to learn a little bit more, they can come out to our courses and everything. Um, we've had some offers for, you know, like Adirondack chapters, I think in the Hudson area to, you know, do these workshops and not only get our word out, but, you know, just continue to build that community where we're educating for that hour or so, passing on certain skills. People can pick up on that. They have us for contact info. Uh, It'll be completely for free. And this way people can start learning. And then if they want to take it to the next level, they could join Trailbound Project and, you know, further themselves for whatever courses and challenges that they want to do nice excellent and then beyond that um we actually uh, we had a, a phone call today with um uh team wilderness um and they nice. uh they, oh do you know them yeah i had an, i had them on here for an interview once oh, oh nice. fantastic that's awesome they're, they're pretty wicked yes um so we, we actually we were talking about halfway uh about a half hour in 
Um, I was talking about uh, the trail conference. It asked for me to write up a quote on on all trails and and Cal Topo and things like that. And I was referencing it, and she said, "I wrote that article." Um, so we, <laughs> she was nice. at the trail conference before, so it was a coincidence. But they help people, you know, in in um, uh, you know kids in bad situations, um, and and they bring the, bring them out into the outdoors. They teach them skills. Uh, so we're 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 talking about how we can get this information to them without it costing them anything, um, and 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 trying to 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 work together so that uh, so that they can pass it on to the people in their neighborhoods. So that would be fantastic. And then, of course, SAR is our um, our love. So a percentage of our profits are going to go to SAR to to local SAR teams. And one of the the the, the policies that we're going to to use is that you can take a course right let's say you take map and compass and um you know everybody learns everything but there's 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 somebody who's having a a a little trouble with it they 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 need either a refresher maybe uh months and months down the road or maybe they want to come back right away and try and reinforce and figure out the things that they didn't get we don't want to charge them any money for it um so come back for free but you got to put 10 bucks in the SAR jar kind of thing. Nice. So we're going to, we're going to try to, because, you know, supporting search and rescue, any of us, you never know what happens. Anyone can get hurt out there. So supporting those resources are incredibly important for our entire community. So, um, uh, so whatever we can do to help them, we want to do. So a percentage of our profits, as well as things like that, where uh, we're collecting, um, we're giving back and, and, and collecting at the same time. Awesome. And as as time goes on, of course, you'll be probably doing more and more local events when you get more connections and stuff like that. That'll be that'll be wicked. I love seeing those local charity events. One hour, two hours, you know, you get the attention of a of a person, and they want to come back for more. Or you get the attention of a kid and a family, and the kid wants to learn some more. So once again, that's that's wicked, awesome. Any anything you guys uh, come up with and stuff like that, I will share on that information upon my website and uh instagram and facebook and everything like that social media let's just say that no, uh, i think that's kind thanks yeah, a lot. yeah so the the camp more collaboration let's uh if i i'm not a familiar with camp more so explain the camp more and and this collaboration you guys have yeah so a camp more uh mom and pop store that's uh built itself up you know amazingly and uh me and scott have both gone there throughout our lives for getting all of our gear and everything um, so we love the store, love to support them. And, you know, we approach them, you know, with this idea, you know, of trailbound projects saying this is what we have going on and everything. And immediately they were all about it. You know, they, they love the idea. They love the whole vision and everything. So we're really fortunate enough that, uh, you know, they were willing to, you know, collaborate pretty much immediately. You know, we met up and talked about everything and, you know, we'll even be looking to host classes at their store or at different locations under them. You know, we'll, students will get coupons to their store and you know it works out really great that a lot of the gear we happen to stand by you know before this way before this collaboration you know they you know they carry so you know it'll be awesome to as a student to take a trail bound course and you know if there's something that you see in like our packs you know or the pack itself you know so you know like so where would i get it you know what would be the next step you know we could refer you right to camp more and you know camp more has been using you know, our flyers to put on their social media, you know, their mailing lists and everything. So they're in full support. You know, we'll be running classes again out of their store or at a location, but, you know, 
paired up with Camp Moore, where you'll get coupons and everything. So really exciting. They've got a large audience underneath them. And the fact that they're supporting us and really all about it, it you know, it's humbling. And we're, we're really excited to get going with them. It's kind of lucky that they're that we're in their area. I remember when I was, um, I guess, when did I start Cub Scouts? I don't know, six, seven, eight years old. Uh, I guess they were just starting in a town in Bogota in, in New Jersey, and it was in a basement. And I remember going for my Cub Scout uniform and uh, buying a, a bunch of, you know, camping gear has come a long way. So I don't remember what it was, but whatever it was, it was heavy. And <laughs> went down to the As basement always. and got it. And they kept building up and they became, um, they actually mail order uh, all across the country for decades. They used to send out these um, uh, black and white booklets. They were like 64 pages um, that people used to look forward to and and look through and find all the camping gear and hiking gear that they can find in there. And then they, uh, they ended up moving, uh, I guess it's Paramus that they're in now. And they've got a huge uh, store full of, you know, stock of everything, tents and sleeping pads. And and that's the place where I was able to find my uh, my peak refuel uh, meals that I wanted to buy. They always have what you need. So it was, it was pretty cool. So we're right by them and they were they were open arms. So it was very cool. awesome. I got to go down there and check it out. It's a little far away. Paramus is, uh, is a little far away, but I'm willing to go down there and check it out because we don't have too much up here. We have one or two uh up here so definitely have to check it out and uh great store with knowledgeable people yeah awesome. great great people great store large store i uh, can't go wrong awesome maybe i'll check out my gear for that because i need a new bag i need a new uh what's it called sleeping bag because god the the one i got was just i don't i don't like mummies i can't i can't take the mummy sleeping bags they're just a little annoying and my arms are too too wide and stuff like that so i'm quilt the whole way okay i gotta i gotta get some suggestions because just said that I, I must have bought like four or five of them and and they just keep getting more and more expensive every time <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> but excellent so collaboration with camp more excellent that's so cool can't wait to hear more about that stuff um so one thing i ask everybody on the show we're closing out the to the end of the show uh, one thing I ask is if, if you guys have edit, had any close calls on the trail, any times where you were like, crap, I might need to call search and rescue, but I'm probably not because I'm on the search and rescue team. So I'm going to try to self-rescue. Have you ever had any times of that? So for me, I, I well, the, 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 those two Grand Canyon trips that I talked about, I didn't even know about search and rescue, but I would have had to have called. My my uh, my family knows um, that if if anybody needs search and rescue, they, they are not to call or they are to use a different name. So um, that's one rule we have around the house. But one time, I uh, uh, not too long ago, I had a close call, which uh, luckily I followed the advice that we normally give, and that is um, I was hiking. Actually, it was it was a um, a search and rescue uh, drill with another team. We were just we were flanking. Uh, me and another member were flanking, so we were on the sides of a dog handler, and uh, we were hiking through the woods. We were doing an area and uh, came up on a log, and uh, and and you're supposed to step on the log and look over to the other side. And exactly, if I had not done that, if I had stepped over the log and put my foot down, there was a six foot rattlesnake sitting right there with his head Whoa. right up against it. Um, so it turned out that I got some great pictures and a, and a good story, but it could have ended a lot differently. Whoa. Now that's, that's huge, <laughs> man. Yeah. 
Wow. Excellent. That's crazy. How about you, Joe? Um, not so much on the, I don't really have any true close calls. You know, I thought I'd call search and rescue, not much on the actual trail. I mean, in the bigger mountains, nothing too much, but you know, I've been on the glacier where I've been coming down and the sun's been hitting it for a while. And I've twice I've done what's called like punching through where you post hole and the cat's goes out or on this, you know, your foot sinks in and I've, yeah, that's happened. But except on there, you know, when you're going through crevasse fields, I've lifted up my foot and pulled it out and looked below and there's no ground underneath me. It's just, you know, you drop down and, you know, one of those Jeez. moments where I just said, all right, don't, don't step there. You know, we keep on going, but uh, that's about it. I mean, I've been fortunate enough for being around and I haven't had any real close calls, but you know, those are definitely moments where, you know, looking back on it, things collapse a little more around it. You might have to go into MRU mode, but <laughs> yeah it's it's been all right <laughs> that's where those skills come in handy man uh you know i was up in the canadian rockies and i did some glacier walking but i did it with a friend of mine who's it's done tons of rick glacier courses and stuff like that and uh he actually you know we were roped up we were going across the pleto glacier and he actually was like stepping and he went into that one like spot and he stepped in and it like went his whole leg went down mm -hmm. and the funny yeah. funny thing is i hate to say it like this but he like hit his nuts on the ice <laughs> and, and it's just like oh. and i'm like i'm like running over and i'm just like holy crap and you know we had our third guy who was the anchor and he like mm. you know put the ice ice pick down and anchored up and i went over and he's just like i'm just like you okay what happened and he's just like my nuts and he's like get me out of here but you you pull there's you know that that little baby like three foot hole and then you look down it and you hear the water running down yeah you know, maybe 50, 60 feet down and you're just like holy crap but definitely some crazy stuff i've never, you know the one thing i want to experience in my life that i've heard a lot of people say is kind of like a close call is a whiteout i've never been in a whiteout uh, I've definitely been in the Adirondacks in Washington, Mount Washington. I've gone up Mount Washington and from tree line to the summit, I've seen nothing but like 10 feet in front of me the whole time. Wow. Definitely been in that a number of times. <laughs> Heart beating stuff, right? Oh, yeah. You look around and, you know, even on a glacier, I've, I've looked in, like in your position, you see the rope and then you just see it fade into the abyss. There's just nothing or Mount Washington. There's just 20 feet in front of you it's just the ground and the air look the same you know it's yep crazy awesome yeah so basically there there's the uh the end of the show that was that was awesome an hour and 43 minutes guys that's some good talking <laughs> well we can't thank you enough for having us on yeah, yeah, it's yeah. awesome to be here <laughs> yeah it, it's it's nice and fun i had i had a good time listening to you guys and i can't wait to see uh, more down the road, further down the road, the projects uh, that is going to go on. Maybe I'll have to come down and take one of the courses and uh, just be there and maybe like, like disguise myself and <laughs> look like a homeless <laughs> dude coming in. <laughs> like, this is not how you tie a month or hitch. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, come visit us anytime. Awesome. Awesome. So you guys, uh, you know, I always do this. Uh, my friend Mary T suggested this. Do you guys have any place down there that you want to suggest a local place to go and get some, you know, maybe something to eat and uh, something to drink after a hike? Like one place or up in the Catskills or in the Adirondacks. Doesn't matter where your favorite. You know, if I'm in the Adirondacks, I usually uh, I try to go to Big Slide Brewery. I'm a big fan of that. And then nice. um, 
And on the Catskills, I'm still getting familiar with it. But, you know, some of the best food I've had was at Peekamoose Restaurant. You know, I yeah. just stumbled upon that. And then if I'm in Harriman, uh, I usually go to a Rhodes Tavern. It's usually the place. <laughs> nice. Rock on. I'll suck in Rhodes. But um, in the Catskills, I think it was uh, Erica and Bill that, that uh, turned me on to it. But we always we always look forward to Brio's. Uh, nice. they, ha- they have this um it's a a grilled cheese with bacon and cold apples in it it is it's fantastic love it so I, 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 as as i'm coming down whatever peak i'm on that's all i'm thinking about is that grilled cheese with bacon and cold apples waiting for me at rio's how the hell did you choose that to eat that is weird i don't, I, I don't know i <laughs> I think I just did one of those, you know, spin, 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 spin. I'll take that. <laughs> okay, I, that's so that's so odd. Excellent. That's that's awesome. So Brios, man, I I mention them every like freaking time. I got to tell them, be like, you know, and we need to, you need to sponsor me or something like that because <laughs> everybody mentions you that's on the show, and there's nothing but Brios has some fantastic stuff. I got to admit, at least get a free grilled cheese. <laughs> grilled cheese with apple with cold apples on it. I guess so. Yeah but excellent so uh thank you guys uh for for joining me tonight i really appreciate it yeah thanks for having us this was, this was awesome and i'm really glad to be here <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. yeah so uh thank you for the monthly sponsors really appreciate it uh really appreciate anyone who is listening subscribe on any platform uh look me up on facebook instagram twitter uh, on my website if you have time shoot me a review on spotify or apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use you guys do you have you have a website do you have anything else yeah we have our website you know trailboundproject.com you could find us uh, on facebook you can find us on instagram those are our, our big platforms for right now yeah facebook.com slash trailbound project and instagram.com slash trailbound project Rock we up. also uh, we have a group on Meetup. If anybody's on Meetup, you can find oh, us there. You Excellent. Those will all go in the show notes. Excellent. So once again, thank you guys for joining me, and I hope you have a good night. All right. Take care, Todd. All, all right. right. Take care.